You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. We are doing this podcast today from Tucson, Arizona, where we are with Pastor Virgil Stokes. And I'm really grateful that you could be with us today, Pastor. Thank you. It's a privilege. Um, You have a book that you put out that I have used for years. Uh, First as a pastor, uh, giving it to leadership and going over it with our leadership teams and talking about the need for it in the church, how to utilize it, recognizing the need for it. And the book is called, Is There an Interpreter in the House? And I love, love, love this book. But I first want to know, before we get into what the book is about, I want to know about how you recognize the need for such information. I don't know that I necessarily recognized it as much as as God kind of dropped it in my lap. Um, 25 years ago, uh, I was in Syracuse, New York, preaching at a camp meeting in January in a blizzard. (laughs) And... uh, I, uh, when I got up on the platform, uh, the Lord just gave me a prophecy, and I began to prophesy, and the, the uh, content um, and several things in it, but the Lord spoke very clearly, and He said, there's soon coming a day when even in your word of faith, charismatic, spirit-filled churches, that the manifestation of the Spirit uh, will be rare, mm. that the Word of God will be being preached, but there will be no manifestation of the supernatural. It'll be up to you to contend for the supernatural. That's the exact phrase that he said. You'll have to contend for the supernatural, but there will be forces that mitigate against you to take the supernatural out of the church. Well, I, you know, I have a tendency to take those things pretty seriously. So I wrote some stuff down, Mm -hmm. but you know, I'm a, I'm the pastor of a small church at that time in upstate New York in a small town. I mean, rural town. And, uh, and we had a pretty nice, generally a move of the spirit. But uh, uh, shortly after that, there began the, the whole Toronto thing was going on. Right. And, and uh, Rodney Howard Brown rose up, you know, and started mm-hmm. laughing all over the country. And, and uh, if you're old enough to remember all that stuff. But there, there was a, you know, I thought, okay, well, thank God somebody else is going to do this. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then in, in about three years later, I, uh, we moved from New York to uh, Arizona. And I traveled. I started to uh, travel and, and minister. And I very quickly uh, realized that. Most of the churches I was going to, which were word of faith folks, most of them went to the same Bible school I did, um, that they were very rarely seeing anything than a, you know, just the occasional prophecy that was, you know, mm-hmm. isn't it wonderful how God loves us kind of thing, you know. And uh, but to, <laughs> but to have any kind of a, anything that I would have called a move of the Holy Ghost, right. they, they were very uncomfortable with the whole idea. So I, I started writing some things down mm-hmm. to uh, try and help them. This, this was purely self-preservation at that point because I like to go in and not have to spend the first two or three services just trying to get people ready to receive. Uh, so I would send the, the notes ahead to the pastor. Yeah. I said, could you just mention some of these things ahead of time? And uh, one day I get a phone call from uh, a guy that someone had handed the notes to a pastor where I'd been and had given the notes to another guy. And he, was, he said, I was on the airplane reading these notes. Would you let me publish this? Mm. And so that was the first publication of Is There an Interpreter in the House? And um, as a matter of fact, um, I, I had uh, kind of stolen the, the idea of the name from, uh, from Brother Hagen because yeah. he had made a statement uh, years and years ago that uh, it was in one of his little books yes. about um, 
I think it's learning to flow with the spirit of yes, God is the name of it. Yeah, little he said, that's what I do in a lot of our services. I interpret the way the service is going. I think there's a lot more, there's a great deal more to the gift of interpretation than we've known. Mm. And uh, I thought, you know, I think you're right. Amen. And that got me started down this line of studying that, that gift and how that should flow. That is really awesome. Okay. So now let's talk about the premise of the book, the notes you actually wrote <laughs> and how the Lord took you through that. Well, the, the first thing that, that uh, struck me, and of course, I'm, I'm, I'm now pastor in my fourth church. Mm-hmm. At that time I was in my second one. And uh, or I had left my second one, was going to my third one. And uh, so, you know, you, you learn a couple of things just accidentally over time. And number one was that, that the whole speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick and people falling on the floor and, and certainly somebody dancing once in a while or, or breaking out into, you know, uh, hyena laughter, mm-hmm. uh, that, that those things are exceptionally controversial mm-hmm. and that uh, a lot of uh, strange things got done mm-hmm. uh, in that, under that banner yes. <laughs> as well. And so that there were forces in the in the society and certainly in, in Christian circles that kind of there was always pressure to be careful you're going to offend somebody, mm. um, you know, that pushed against you. There, there's always there's Pharisees in every generation, Absolutely. so there, there's those people that are going to be against anything that you know is uh, out of the box a little bit. So that, that's nice. There, people wrote books about us, you know. <laughs> you're, you're familiar with all that. Uh, that didn't bother me as much as as the thing that it seemed to. And I was talking to pastors. And what it was that kept them from stepping out and, uh, you know, trying to follow the flow of the Spirit in their services, number one was pride. Mm. Uh, they're afraid they're going to look foolish. Uh, they want to be a part of um, an organization that's respectable. Mm. You know, that's you can't see, we're, we're mm-hmm. recording, you can't see the quotation marks, but we want to be part of something that's socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that backs us off from doing things that, that might be considered by some people to be just a little over the top. Right. And then along came the whole church growth movement. And, you know, and I was, I'm, I'm all in favor of growing your church. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Um, but um, I began to question, what am I filling my church with? Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not knowing the spirit of God, yeah. then am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I don't know what you're supposed to be doing, but I know the Lord spoke to me by prophecy in the middle of a service and said, contend for the supernatural. Yes. So if I'm trying to dilute those things down and make them all, acceptable right. and, and prim and proper, then am I doing what I'm supposed to do? So right. I said, well, I'm going to try to do what I, I'm supposed to do. But in talking to people that that uh, uh, want the move of the Spirit, and when you talk to them a little bit, they want the move of the Spirit, but they don't want the the uncertainty or freedom that goes with it. They mm-hmm. like to be in control. Yes. So fighting against that, I think, it, our own human nature Absolutely. Uh, wants to make sure that nothing happens that we can't either explain or control. Right. Uh, we like things to be predictable. And I don't know if you've read your Bible lately, but there wasn't a lot of predictable going on in there. <laughs> the, the familiar, I think, God help us as preachers, we're lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a teacher by by gifting. Mm-hmm. And the easiest thing in the world for me is to, to wait till the last song ends, step into the pulpit, teach for 45 minutes, slam the book shut, say amen and go on to the house. I can do that in my sleep. Right. You know. And if God is, wants to interrupt my flow, it, it's, uh, it, it messes with me. It makes me nervous. Right. And I don't think I'm alone in that. No. Uh, I'm, I'm always moved by the, uh, the uh, description in the book of Acts in chapter 5. Mm-hmm. Everybody says they want a, a New Testament church. And have you read about the New Testament church lately? <laughs> Two hypocrites dropped dead in one day in that church. <laughs> 
(laughs) What do you think that's going to do to your your seeker-sensitive service? (laughs) Right. And can you imagine having to train your deacons Mm. uh, to dig graves during the service? (laughs) Be ready for anything. Yes, really. (laughs) Keep the carpets over there so we can roll them up and carry them out. But my point being that, that if we actually follow the Holy Ghost, some stuff might happen. Yeah. That's really outside our comfort zone. And uh, most of us don't like that. And then finally, God help us. Like I said, this all kind of came about uh, contemporary with the whole Toronto thing and then the the uh, thing down in Florida with the massive repentance movement and right. all that stuff. So in the midst of all that, so many things happened that were bizarre. And, and God help us even in our faith crowd, you know, how many crazy things were done. Mm-hmm. God told me, you know, to yes. jump off this building or whatever. Right. Or uh, write this hot check or, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. Yeah. Uh, and Mary, so when, your wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, in First Thessalonians where Paul told them uh, to don't despise prophesying. Mm-hmm. There's a reason people despise prophesying. It wasn't because they're against God. It's because they're against the last 15 goofy prophecies that they listen to. Right. Uh, people speak things that you know are not God or do things and, and blame it on God and nobody ever deals with that, then uh, pretty soon you're, you're shutting things down. Right. So then what does that look like in a church service? How do, how do you apply this? Well, I think it's, uh, I, I remember um, I hadn't been pastoring too terribly long. I was in a Lester Summerall service, and he said that every pastor needs the gift of interpretation. You know, and yeah. if you're going to be a pastor, you've got to have this. And so I, I was brand new, and I, so I just thought, okay, that's good. So I told the Lord, I said, Lester said I need this. <laughs> If you're going to make me pastor, I need this. And so I just prayed and asked, and I just believed I received. Amen. I, I don't know that that's necessarily scriptural, but it worked. And from that point forward, as far as tongues and interpretation, I always mm-hmm. had the interpretation of every tongue in every service. Mm-hmm. And that's a long time ago now. I don't always give it. If somebody else has got it, I let them have it, but I've always got it. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was comfortable with that. But when I saw that interpretation, the way Brother Hagen had described it as interpreting the flow or knowing what's going on in the service, mm-hmm. interpreting what, where the service is going. I thought there's more to it mm-hmm. than just uh, giving the sense of a message in tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, in a service, the uh, the fellow that's the interpreter, and, and the word interpret doesn't necessarily just mean uh, translate uh, a language. It means to uh, to make clear things that are not clear. Right. To explain things that, that uh, bring confusion. Mm-hmm. I think that's the role of the interpreter in the service mm-hmm. that keeps people from getting um, assaulted by the false and the flaky, I call it. Yeah. The uh, interpreter's job is to make sure that, that uh, if it's off, mm-hmm. uh, it's corrected. Mm-hmm. And to recognize if there's another direction that the service needs to go, mm-hmm. uh, to be comfortable enough to take it that direction. Mm-hmm. The uh, I remember in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. If you if you uh, are we allowed to read scriptures? Yes, on this uh, I think that'd be a good idea. 1 Corinthians 14. There's a, a famous verse there uh, where he's talking about how to order the gifts in the in the service. Mm-hmm. Paul's uh, I call this Paul's etiquette chapter. He, mm. said, he said, if anyone speaks in a tongue. Let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Mm. Uh, Now, I don't know how it was where you were brought up, but when I first got filled with the Spirit and started going to church, the way they practiced that that scripture was some brave soul would give a tongue, Mm -hmm. and then everybody would be real quiet. Because the way we understood it, it's not what it says, but the way we understood it was if somebody gives a tongue 
and there is no interpretation, that means that the tongue wasn't from God. Mm-hmm. So somebody would give a tongue and everybody would get real quiet and we're all thinking, oh my God, please somebody interpret this. Please somebody interpret this. You know, because you were so embarrassed for this poor idiot that gave the tongue. <laughs> and what it says is that if there is no interpreter, then keep that to yourself. Mm-hmm. So that implies if I think I have a tongue, then I must be able to look around the room mm-hmm. and t- decide if there's an interpreter present. Yes. So that, that tells me that the gift of interpreter was something that people recognized. Mm-hmm. That there, and that's that's where the title of the book came from. Is there an interpreter in the house? Yes. Um, I think we're supposed to know that mm-hmm. that there's somebody that that flows in that gift. In uh, uh, the Greek language, if you're real big on on uh, reading Greek dictionaries, uh, the uh, the Greek word for interpret means to interpret, to expound, or to explain thoroughly. So I think that that uh, one of the roles of the person in that in that gifting is to explain what's going on mm-hmm. in the spirit, make sure that people are are informed. Because when people are uninformed and they see things that they're they're not uh, familiar with, mm-hmm. it makes them more uncomfortable than they need to be. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, so interpretation then is is something that doesn't just bring the the, the uh, interpretation of a, of a tongue so that we have tongues plus interpretation equal prophecy. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at the at the uh, that verse where it says that in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, it goes on in, in the next verse mm-hmm. uh, to explain that it could also be a teaching, right. an exhortation, right. a song. That interpretation can come in any number of ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, the gift of the interpreter then, I think, uh, is something that we, we uh, don't see in most of our churches because most people don't know there is such a thing. But uh, my experience with people is you can get them through something that they're not familiar with if they're confident that somebody is familiar with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, yeah. some, there's somebody driving this bus. We're not just rolling down the highway. Right. Somebody's in control. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's supposed to be mm-hmm. either the pastor or somebody that he designates or whoever's in charge of the service because mm-hmm. God places people in charge of services. And yes. I believe he will gift you to do that. So I think trying to train people or encourage people that they can do these things mm-hmm. uh, has been sort of my battle for the last 20 years now. And so do you feel like it's important for whoever that person is, whether it is the pastor or someone on the pastoral team, that they intentionally train people? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, when, once When I got the light on this, I, I actually went to my church and said, okay, if you think you have a tongue, you know, uh, let me know. You're mm-hmm. safe. Because... If, if I'm here, uh-huh. there's an interpreter here. Yes. Right? And so that, that actually freed people uh-huh. who had been living under that, that cloud. You know, yes. Well, if I give this and nobody interprets, yes. they don't think I'm insane. Um, yes. I'm here. I'm here. I've got this. Mm-hmm. And it really uh, freed up that flow. Uh-huh. I think letting people know what that gift is and who it is that flows in that is, uh, is uh, very important. But it's also important to help people recognize that gift. I believe that anybody that's going to be in in the uh, lead of a, of a even a small group mm-hmm. uh, needs to be aware of the fact that if you're there in authority, then God's going to grace you mm-hmm. to recognize the flow of the Spirit in that group. Amen. Amen. Okay, where are we? The uh, usual process that I do when I go to a church uh-huh. to talk about these things is to... Uh, sit with the pastor and say, okay, what does your service actually look like? Mm-hmm. You know, you say you want to move with the Spirit. And I believe that's essential. Let me just give a little side yes. comment here. Yes. That if you read the Bible, and certainly the New Testament, mm-hmm. and remove all the supernatural stuff, mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of book left. Right. You know? 
That's good, and, and Pastor. It's really, and it's really dull reading on top yeah, of that. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, my thinking is if we if uh, if we move everything back to what we're comfortable with, mm-hmm. uh, that's not going to leave much. That's right. That's good. Uh, uh, the First uh, Corinthians two, you know, where he talks about demonstration of the Spirit and power. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard all kinds of interesting uh, rationalizations of what that means, short of a move of the Spirit. But that's what he's talking about. He said, yeah. "I didn't just preach it; I showed you." Yeah. You know, demonstration of the Spirit and power. Amen. That's, that's means something's happening here that is not just me preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I take it from reading that Paul's a pretty good preacher. Yeah. Um, but he I said would, that, that's not so. enough. Yeah. That's Amen. not my preaching is not enough for you. Amen. And, to me, if it wasn't enough for Paul, then I'm thinking probably it's not enough for me either. That's right. And for the, the welfare of the people, uh, you know, God can do more in people's lives in, in a, a split second than I can do in three weeks of seminars. Agreed. Uh, for so all it, of us. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I want people to have access to that. Yeah. And be, uh, not just come expecting it, but be comfortable in allowing it to happen. So this is growing your people. Absolutely. As well as expanding the opportunity for the Spirit of God to do what He wills. In Absolutely. any service. Absolutely. I, I ask pastors, I say, okay, if, I, if I'm coming to your church, and uh, can I uh, predict when I want to come in so that I'll know I can miss the music? Or uh, even more popular, can I predict when I can come in in order to miss the offering? Because <laughs> I've uh, pastored four churches. I've been around a while. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, if you can predict exactly where things are going to happen in every right. service, then maybe you're not flowing in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, you have to ask yourself, how often do things happen in your service that people might even question? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, I used to have a pulpit that was on wheels mm-hmm. in one of the rented facilities we had. And so I made it a point to uh, regularly... Uh, push my pulpit after the service started. I would roll my pulpit back to the back of the of the uh, auditorium, uh-huh. so that the people that hid in the back row uh-huh. now were in the front row. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, uh, we fall into ruts, and when you allow yourself to fall into a rut, you're no longer attending mm-hmm. to what's going on. Yeah, you're just uh, you're on the bus reading a book while the driver drives you somewhere, and that, yeah. that's not what we're supposed to be doing when no. we come into the church. You know, in in that book that you talked about from Brother Hagen, one of the things in there that he talked about was that they had designated services. Exactly. For, he called them believer services because it was maybe more mature things that would happen. Uh, he said that, I remember in the book, he said, those generally happened on Sunday mornings because the non-believers were hung over from the night before. And we're going to be there. But if they came to an evening meeting, then that meeting is going to look different than what their Sunday morning looked like. Their Sunday morning was more of a believer service. I think that's probably changed in our culture today. Absolutely. The uh, Sunday morning services are are, Mm -hmm. uh, where we put on the show. Mm -hmm. But the... uh, um, one of the things I, I did personally, because I'm, I'm a very, I know this is hard for most people to believe, but I'm an extremely reserved person, uh-huh. uh, shy. I uh-huh. don't, you know, when the anointing's not on me, I find it difficult to get my whole name out in one uh-huh. sentence. <laughs> and uh, uh, for me uh-huh. to break out of that comfort zone to allow the spirit to move, I didn't know how to do that. Mm. Um, I was a, a, a Bible school student uh, back in the early 80s. 1980, as a matter of fact, it's about as early as it gets. The, uh, and I watched a lot of stuff happen. In fact, I was in camp meeting of 1980, uh, the first time I saw a tongue and interpretation. 
I saw Buddy and Pat, yeah. who I didn't know who they were. First camping I'd ever been to. Wow. And uh, uh, she gave a tongue and ran all over the platform and then twirled around and fell on the floor. And then Buddy gets up and makes every step that she made and twirls around and falls on the floor while he's given the interpretation of the tongue. And, yeah. And uh, I mean, I was to the extent I was in church at all when I was a kid, it was Baptist or Presbyterian. Yeah. And as we used to say, I've been to three county fairs and two hog callings. I ain't never seen nothing like that before. <laughs> 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 but all I could think of was, wow, that's real. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. I wanted that so bad. Yeah. It was a few years later that, that we had uh, the opportunity to have uh, Buddy and Pat lay hands on us in a service yeah. uh, for impartation of the gift. Amen. And then my wife and I then later started to flow in that ourselves. But, yeah. But the but getting me out of my my comfort zone to be willing to step out and even think I could do those things, I needed some place to practice. Go sitting in the back of the of the classroom or even in the in the in the bleachers at camp meeting, you get to see it happen. But but actually uh, being involved in the flow of it, not so much. So and I think most Bible school students come away with a lot of head knowledge about how things could happen right. versus a practical knowledge of how does that feel, what does that look like, mm-hmm. how does that what does that mean for me. You know, how's God going to use that kind of gifting in my personality set right. uh, to bring it forward? I, I don't know. Yeah. So one of the things we did um, when we were pastoring in New York and got really hungry for yeah. for the supernatural uh, was we started having a Sunday night service. We didn't typically have a Sunday night service, so we scheduled a Sunday night service, and we just called it Holy Ghost Service. If You know, warn people ahead of time. Yeah. If you don't want to be in on this, yeah. don't come. Yeah. If you do, show up and be prayed up. Amen. And uh, we're going to uh, just wait on God, see what happens. Amen. And so we just started learning how to flow in things. Love that. You know, it took a while. Absolutely. It took a while. And uh, it took some intent. I had to purposely not um, prepare an outline. Yes. You know, because I'm, I'm Mr. Outline Guy. And yeah. that's comfortable for you. Absolutely. You want to stay in your comfort zone if there. If you can't put it in bullet points, don't bring it to uh-huh. me. You know? Yeah. And uh, so I, I had to just not do that. I would uh-huh. pray in the Holy Ghost for a couple hours mm-hmm. and then go to church. Wow. We also discovered that you did not have to have a 10-piece orchestra in order to have worship. Right. That uh, you could actually do it a cappella. Yes. The Holy Spirit will actually <laughs> Absolutely. show up. <laughs> Absolutely. I was, in, uh, I was in Haiti in um, the late 80s, and uh, we were in a church out in the middle of nowhere that had 100-watt light bulb running on a generator and a dirt floor. And they had church, man. I mean, they the the worst the mm-hmm. presence of God was in the house, and the only instrument that they had was a wash tub turned upside down. They were beating it with a stick, and uh, it, it dawned on me. I said, you know, all those thousands of dollars worth of sound equipment, yeah, may not really have anything to do with with the presence of God, right? You know, and I, I I thought, you know, if you can if you can turn up the gain and make yourself feel more anointed, is that God or is right. that electricity? Right. You know? <laughs> It's a hard oh, anyway, thing. Anyway, anyway, we, we practiced. You know, let's just wait on God till till somebody senses mm-hmm. a direction, and then mm-hmm. and so so we did that for for an extended period of time, several months, uh, until people started to get um, more comfortable with mm-hmm. it. And then we started actually teaching on the subject uh, in our Sunday morning services. One of the things the Lord spoke to me uh, is so difficult to do. He said, "You need to learn to wait on me in your service," mm. which. Uh, uh, you know, we hate dead spots, right? Yeah. Uh, so I had to tell people, here's what we're going to do. Uh, right right now, I'm trying to hear the voice of God. Yeah. And so let's all just uh, 
get quiet, pray in your in your heavenly language, or let's just worship the Lord for a moment until I'm sure which way we're going. Yeah. And that takes time for people to get used to that. Now, typically in my church, they, they, they see me up there looking like I don't know what I'm doing and just stand in there. Most of them kind of understand, okay, understand this, this, this is that. For yeah. Something. yeah. <laughs> this is that. Yeah. But it takes a while for people to get used to that. It also mm-hmm. takes more than a while for the pastor to get used to it. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like if, as a leader, you're intentional to provide those opportunities that not only are you growing other leaders, but you're also growing your people to grow in their intentionality with the Spirit of God working in their life? Well, you know, if you, once again, 1 Corinthians 14, because that is sort of the definitive chapter on this subject. But in the 26th verse where he says, when you come together, each one of you has, and he yes. lists off all these things. I don't think that's a, a complete list. I think he's just saying there could be any other number of things right. on this list, but a song, an interpretation, a tongue, a prophecy. Yeah. Um, he's saying that the whole congregation went right into the pastor. He was right into the church. Yes. Uh, everybody comes with something. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's going to play the solo in every service. Right. Um, you know, he, he describes the church service as being uh, like, a, like an orchestra. Yeah. And I, I kind of like to think of it that way. Yes. That uh, I don't know if you ever played in an orchestra, but. but no. uh, <laughs> Just but, a band. <laughs> uh, there's a conductor, you know, the conductor is supposed to be the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe that the leader of the service, in this case, the pastor, is like the baton in his hand. Mm. Uh, that uh, when, when an orchestra is playing, you know, when it, when it comes time for the, for the uh, violins to, to come to the fore, he will point at them. Mm-hmm. Okay, or to the to the timpani to boom 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 boom. You know, he, he'll point to them, and I believe that's the 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 uh, the role of the interpreter. Yes, is to is not to conduct the service; it's to be the baton in the hand of the Holy Ghost to highlight whatever particular instrument in the symphony mm-hmm. needs to come forward at a given time. Amen. Okay, I don't know where I am in the, in the notes. <laughs> where are you? Well, the the let, let me just hit on one of my pet peeves. Mm-hmm. Not pet peeves, but uh, but we, we find it difficult to do. I find it difficult to do. I guess I'm not alone. And that is when somebody does something or says something that you just know is out of order. Yeah. That you know it's wrong. It's not the Holy Ghost. Um, having enough backbone to lovingly correct that is uh, so important because if people, if, if I as the pastor let something go, then people in the congregation are going to think I think it's okay. Mm. They see that as approval. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's important to, to be willing, you know, he said, don't despise prophecies, but then he said, test all things. That's mm-hmm. what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Keep that, which is good. Yeah. Right. So he's obviously saying that there's going to be some that aren't, mm-hmm. and it's going to be up to you to test them, to judge them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I think that's incumbent upon us. So then how do you bring that correction um, if it's necessary? <laughs> Hopefully with grace. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, if it's harmless, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people just get excited. Yeah. You know, and start blubbering something out. Right. If it's not heresy, I give them just a second and then I'd say, okay, let's all just lift our hands and, and join sister so-and-so in worshiping the Lord. She's just excited and worshiping the uh-huh. Lord, you know, and, and kind of get her off the hook. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, on, but if somebody brings forth something that is... Uh, in one of the vocal gifts, says something that's off. Mm-hmm. When I say off, I mean it. It, 
it uh, could lead people into error, mm -hmm. and that's got to be corrected in public. Right. It has to be corrected in public. Right. Uh, if they do things that are out of order, right, that are disruptive to the service and out of order, that has to be corrected. Why? Right. Otherwise, you just gave them permission to do this. Exactly. You know. So that's you, good. I, uh, I said, you know, I, I think you started off in the spirit there, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, um, so right along in here, you got off. You know, because it, it's not true that that you know God gives people diseases. Right. You know that because you know. You've been in those services where people yes. prophesy stuff that you, yeah, no. That's not in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to go against his word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if people just get excited and give a little prophecy that probably wasn't particularly anointed, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, God loves us all. I'm so glad God loves us all. We've all had a few of those along the way. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I just try to get the, the service back mm -hmm. and then I will go to that person uh, mm -hmm. individually after the service and say, I really appreciate your heart to want to. Bless them, but I think you, you just kind of got excited. Here's how to recognize if you really got something. One of the things we do, and I, and I stole this off John Osteen years ago. I thought it made more sense than anything I'd seen. If you want your congregation involved in this flow, mm -hmm. you, know, you don't want it to just be the platform, mm -hmm. the holy men of God. That mm -hmm. uh, if, if you want to have that 1 Corinthians 14, 26 experience, mm -hmm. then you have to have some way to do decently and in order. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, I wish he would have written us a whole other chapter telling us what that meant. Uh -huh. but, but, but we have the principle of decency and order. Mm -hmm. And um, in order to do that, you have to, there has to be a system in place. Mm -hmm. um, I think every church needs to sit down with their eldership or, with the, or, or let the pastor decide, how are we going to do this here? Yes. Uh, the way we do it is that if you think you got something from the Lord, uh, raise your hand. Mm -hmm. And whoever's in charge of the service, if that's me, or whoever I've designated will uh -huh. have the same authority and, and, and gifting, uh -huh. then uh, they will let you know when you can give that. Right. Uh, so that, that takes the pressure off you. You think you got some, you lifted your hand. Uh -huh. I looked at you. I acknowledged you. Uh -huh. Then uh, you're off the hook. Right. Right. If I don't, if I don't recognize you, uh, then that's my problem. If, uh -huh. if you were supposed to give something and I kept you from doing it, then, Hey, God will have to deal with me. You did your part. Yeah. Um, and, but on the other hand, I'm the one who's interpreting the flow of the service and I will let you know when that's appropriate to give yes. that, you know, and, uh, that, that seems to work pretty well for us. We just continually tell people that Sure. we put in our bulletin. Sure. <laughs> if you think you have something from the Lord, lift your hand and whoever's in yeah. charge of the service will, will either recognize you or ask you to hold it. We were associate pastors in South Africa and Pastor Ray McCauley mm -hmm. would do the same thing. But what he would do is he would sta station Fred on the end of a place with a microphone. Right. And he would just say, if you feel like you have something, go down and see Pastor Fred. And if he perceives that it will fit with where the Spirit of God is going, he'll get my attention. Amen. You know, and that's how we did it when we were there with them under his authority. And so, you know, there were times Fred had to tell people, you know, I'm sure you're hearing something from the Lord. It's just not going to fit here right now. And uh, call me tomorrow. We'll work through this. Amen. You know, and that was kind of how we worked through that with people, helping them understand how the Holy Spirit was working. I think for the for most people in the congregation, that that provides them with a sense of safety. Mm -hmm. That somebody's watching out for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, secondly, if I think I've got something and I'm not, you know, and, and I'm a novice, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it's, maybe it's not the Holy Ghost. Yeah, we've all been there. Absolutely. You know, then I go to one of my elders, uh, pastors that, that they, they judge it and then say, yeah, give that. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I tell you to give it and you give it and, and it's off, then see, that's on me. I'm, I'm the one that missed it here. Not exactly. You. You, you, you were submitted to authority. You went with the flow of, the, of how the, yeah, the rules good. work in the house. That's good. So you did your part. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I like to, to, <laughs> I just spoke to a little lady this week that had read the book and uh, was thanking me. Um, for uh, making it so step by step, 
But she said the thing that really blessed her was the concept that if I'm in charge, and she's, she's pastoring now, she said, I read that it said that, okay, if God put me here, then he will gift me to do this, and I can exercise my faith to have that gift mm-hmm. when I step into that pulpit. Yes. She said, thank you. Amen. <laughs> but that would be my exhortation to, to folks that are maybe uh, wondering if this is something they can do. Mm-hmm. Exercise a little faith. God will give you what you need because yes. uh, it's, it's his sheep. He's more concerned about them than you are. Absolutely. And uh, he's not concerned at all about your pride and uh, neither should you be. Amen. And, and uh, exercise your faith and uh, believe that he will show up at the right moment. Amen. And he will. Uh, along the same lines, if you get a, an opportunity to be around somebody that flows in this, get them to lay their hands on you. Because I believe there is an impartation. Amen. Like I said, uh, Judy and I were, my wife and I were talking about uh, when Buddy and Pat laid hand on us, and, and uh, you know, we hearken back to that as you know, something happened. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. It, and it was just it was just as carnal as anything. We we liked the way that that looked like a lot of fun, and we wanted to do that. Yeah, <laughs> God honored that. If somebody has experienced those giftings, impartation has occurred. What what's your recommendation for anybody in in appropriating what has been imparted into them? I think for us, um, once we'd had hands laid upon us, and certainly putting ourselves in in a, in a place where that would be appropriate to happen was uh-huh. number one. But number two, uh, actually seeking God for that, being specific, uh, being intentional about seeking the Lord to to stir up the gift. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, Paul wrote to Timothy, stir up the gift that was in you by the laying on of hands. Yes. So, so stirring up the gift uh, that's in you by the laying on of hands, I think, is a scriptural thing to do. Amen. Fanning the flame, I think some of the modern translations say. Yes. And and how do we do that for anything? You know, we pray in the Holy Ghost. We, we worship in the Spirit. Yeah. I was um, uh, just uh, a few days ago in a service where just spontaneously people started singing in tongues. Mm-hmm. And I had people come up to me after the service and she said, and said that, that um, you know, we haven't heard that in so long. Mm. And we let things slip away. Yes. And uh, some of those things that, that uh, you know and I know that stirred us up yeah. uh, to let those things flow, if we don't ever do them or expose the other people to them, yes. how are they, how are they going to get the, the, uh, the flame fanned in their lives? Mm-hmm. But certainly for us, mm-hmm. uh, we're, I think sometimes we get so educated that we get stupid. Yeah. And uh, we build systems, mm-hmm. and, the, and the system becomes God instead of God. Exactly. And uh, we have to be careful about that. We have to intentionally break out of those things and mm-hmm. get back to the place where the Spirit of God is free to move, not, not just in the service, but in us. Absolutely. Uh, Amen. That's good, Pastor. Thank you. Anything else you want us to cover before we You know, close let, me, let me say something about music Yeah. Uh, from a pastoral standpoint. Sure. Um, Two things. If you're the pastor, then you're responsible for the music service. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you can't sing a lick or play anything. Yeah. Uh, you need to be making impartation to whoever it is. Amen. I believe that that, that worship leader is an extension of the pastoral ministry, and that Amen. needs to be a part of preparation and, and an impartation to them. But uh, you need a worship leader that knows how to flow yes. uh, with the Holy Ghost and uh, to recognize things. That's Once good. again, hearkening back to, to, to Brother Hagen, uh, you knew... When he said, sing something about the blood, yes. that we're going to have a prophecy here in just a minute. God's yeah. about to move. Yeah. Cause, cause, why? Because the music, the worship stirred up the gift in the prophet. That's good, Virgil. And, uh, and if, if, uh, if you're a pastor, you're leading services regularly, mm-hmm. you need to have that kind of relationship with the leadership of, of your worship team. That's good. So that they know not just what brings the congregation into the presence of God, but that which stirs up the gift and the prophet is so important. Yes. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some wonderful songs that just don't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. 
there's some other songs that you do the first three bars and I'm ready to run around the room. Right. And uh, absolutely, so there are times when, you know, I need that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I give my, my uh, worshipers, my worship uh, musicians, uh-huh. a, a list of four, maybe five songs to keep ready all the time. Um. So I can just turn and say, you know, uh, play worthy as the lamb or whatever, right. you know, uh, whatever's on the list so that, that we can jump there anytime we need to. The That's second, good. Yeah, the other thing I, I tell them is pay attention mm-hmm. to what the Lord is blessing mm-hmm. during, the, during the time of worship in the beginning of the service. Because, you know, I mean, those things go in seasons and there's, you can sing one song this week where the glory falls mm-hmm. and then next week you try to replicate that and the same song is just dead as a doornail. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's because God still wants to be God even in the worship service. Yeah, amen. And he, he gets to pick the music. And uh, uh, so, but it, during the worship service, in the beginning of the service, make sure that as a, as a worship leader that you pay attention to where that anointing falls today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's going to be a song, maybe two, that are really there for yes. today. But yes. when you get to the end of the service or when the, the, the ministry times take place, go back to those songs because this is where the cloud is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, as a pastor, you got to teach people that because they don't know. They have a song list. They follow the song list. We do this course three times and then we jump to the key of A and move on to yeah. so-and-so. Yeah. <clears throat> people have to be taught those things because they don't know. And uh, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, you know, as with Elisha, sometimes you need a minstrel uh, yes. to, to tap into the gift. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah, more than anything, uh, keep yourself prayed up. You know, every time yes. you get up is an opportunity for God to touch people's lives. Amen. And he may do it some other way besides your sermon. Thank God for your sermon. I love my sermons too. But, uh, but sometimes uh, uh, being sensitive yeah. to the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. is, uh, is much more effective. And it will also free other people up to receive. Amen. The um, and, and tell your congregation what you're doing so that they, uh, that, that is the gift of interpretation. It's the gift of explanation. Yes. Mm. If we do sing in tongues in our service, yes. I stop and explain what we just did. Yes. For the, the God bless Paul. Uh, you know, he spoke King James English. King James English right? <laughs> he said, we're doing this for the unbeliever uh-huh. and the uninformed or the unlearned. It says yes. in the King James. That means there'll be believers there that don't know what we're doing. Right. And if they don't know, you'd be uncomfortable too. Absolutely. So, so inform people, be, be that explainer in the service, and that will help long-term for people to have confidence that you know what you're doing. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for taking the time to share with us. This is powerful. And I want to encourage everybody that listens to this podcast to get a hold of this book. Can they reach out to you for that book? Sure. Okay. Sure. FCFTucson.org. There you go, fcftucson.org. If you want to get a hold of this book, which we highly recommend, it will be a blessing to you, your people, and especially your community, because you'll be known in the community for operating in the gifts of the Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to be manifested in your church. And I tell you, that's an important part of these last days, and we can't miss it. The Lord's warned us over and over again in multiple prophecies over the last 25 years. Absolutely. Uh, that it is important that we not let these things go. And so if you want more information, be sure that you reach out to Pastor Virgil at fcftucson.org. Get a hold of this book. It'll be a blessing to you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.